Did you know that it's possible to raise your littles to want to listen to you without the use of consequences, rewards, and bribes? Hi, I'm Kaylee Zeyer, and this is the Chaos to Connected podcast, where we discuss simple yet effective parenting strategies to manage those pesky behaviors we go to bed at night hoping will be gone tomorrow. We're going to stand up to societal norms of disconnection, shaming, and punishments so we can take a deeper look into our child's heart. It's there you'll find connection, and there where you'll find more peace, obedience, respect, and joy. So what are you waiting for? We know those behaviors aren't going to go away on their own. Let's dive in. Okay, so if you tuned in last week, you heard part one of my interview with Maureen, the owner, entrepreneur behind YesP's Nutrition. She is a registered nutritionist and she has so many valuable and great tips and tricks for us as moms to help our kids especially if they are maybe pickier or also just in general as being busy maybe even overwhelmed with all of the stuff that comes along with eating and I think she has some really unique perspectives that were really eye-opening and helpful for me so if you didn't listen to part one go back to next week's and listen to that and then come back and listen to this one So today we're talking all about meal prepping, meal planning, and holidays, which is fitting. (laughs) So um, I hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. Okay. I think um, while there's a lot more trails I could go off there, I think this would be Yeah, picky eating is its own giant thing. I think it would be good to kind of transition into, since you started talking a little bit about like having your kids help you and like pre-COVID, my oldest would come with me. Like he was always with me grocery shopping. Now, you know, it's a little different, especially now with a baby, but we would always like, what's one fruit that you want this week and one new veggie we would kind of try. Obviously they weren't always new, but um, that was something that was kind of fun, I think for him to do, especially being in the grocery store and being able to see things. And I know that's probably less common now. I know a lot of people don't necessarily like going to the stores and there's pickups and all that stuff. So let's kind of transition into like some meal planning or prepping tips. I know like your page is big on that. So people can obviously go there and go through all your posts, but if you have anything, you know, that stands out to you, like for the mom who, and I don't know, I don't necessarily feel like the planning stage is difficult. I can plan and I have ideas. Mm -hmm. But then it's like the planning me and the me that's actually going to make the food (laughs) are two different people. And I'm like, why did I think that I could make these homemade biscuits? (laughs) You know, for me, like we grind grains, so we don't buy flour. We have the grain to grind it. So it's another added step. Um, So if there's any tips, I love how you just like, you freeze all this stuff and you just pull it out. So seriously, people should go look at your page and watch your stories. I love watching all that. But like share some, if you have some top tips, I also saw in your stories the other day, you were doing like this, um, like moving exercise to help kind of (laughs) get yourself ready to make meals. So if you can talk maybe a little bit about not only like prepping tips, just in general, maybe how to help moms, like who feel really busy, you know, especially if you, um, I mean, I know people who stay at home are busy too. Like I feel that, but you know, if you're not at home during the day and you're working and then your kids get home from school and you're trying to do all the things, um, any tips there. And then kind of, if you do that exercise every time before you make food, or is that just like something you do if you're feeling stressed or, 
you know, how can moms maybe make this yes. feel like more of a serving, like this is enjoyable versus like, yeah. I have to make another meal, you know? Yes. Yeah. So yes. Okay. Trying to organize my thoughts. I could, ju- there was a lot of questions in there. Um, yes. So some of the things that I feel like are really key to helping as a, like being a busy mom, I, there are some people that not meal planning works for them where they can, they don't mind coming up with the idea at five o'clock when they're go to make dinner. I don't think that that works for most and for most like just busy parents. And I do believe that planning ahead of time is super valuable. Even if I, on my site, I give a lot of what I call like basic meal rotations, coming up with a basic meal rotation idea. It's like the idea of Taco Tuesday, but coming up with like a theme for every day and maybe having like a two week rotation of that where, yeah, on Tuesdays, it's tacos on Mondays, it's stir fries on, you know, Thursdays, it's, you know, like coming up with even just a basic framework so that when you're coming to the kitchen, you're going, okay, tacos, but like, it could be, you know, like maybe you want the flexibility of like, okay, it's going to be chicken or it's going to be ground beef or it's going to be this, but you still are narrowed down to like, not having to just think of like all the meals in the world. Um, So I do suggest meal planning ahead of time. And I also suggest meal planning ahead of time because it gives that opportunity of what I call pre-exposure to kids of being able to ahead of time start to talk about the foods that's going to be happening to them or that's going to be available for the week. So that, and sometimes I, every week looks different on how I involve my kids in that. Sometimes I do the majority of the meal planning on my own. And then I have them, you know, I say, Hey, we're going to be having stir fry on Tuesday night. Um, Can you help me pick out the veggies that you want in the stir fry? So maybe I've already planned a lot of it, but then I, you know, come in and have them pick, like, you know, help me pick out a few of the things. Or a lot of times I do my meal planning at one of like the weekend breakfasts, like when we do more of like a sit down breakfast or lunch or dinner, it doesn't matter when. And I'll kind of meal plan at the table with everyone, you know, and kind of ask and go around and say, you know, Ruby, what do you like? What's a meal that you want to have happen this week? And we'll go around. And at that time, I find that if I mention, so like I think you were mentioning like the meat sauce and the spaghetti, like the spaghetti example, that if I then say, okay, on Wednesday, we're going to be doing the, you know, like the uh, spaghetti and meat sauce, that it just gives that opportunity for your kiddo to hear that. And to react to it. And maybe at that moment, they will say something. But now that you're also not making that meal, it doesn't like it's a low pressure setting for them to hear about that and to express how they feel and for you to address and to like say, oh, like I know, you know, I know that the meat sauce is not your favorite. You know, is there, you know, and maybe ask something like, with the meat sauce, is it that you don't like the texture of it? Or, you know, I do not, and maybe they can just, they have the moment to express or maybe even to pinpoint a little bit more. It's that the meat and the sauce are mixed, or I don't like that it's so chunky. You know, I like it when it comes out of the jar. And maybe that gives you the moment to think of, you know what, I'll try making a creamier, I can try making it creamier this, like I'll try it, let's try maybe making it creamier. 
but like we are going to be having this. And sometimes it just gives kids that opportunity to just hear about the food that's happening. And again, for you to say, you know, yeah, I have this already frozen in the freezer. This is what's easiest, you know, for us to have for this night. Um, I hear that you're not excited about that and that's okay. You don't have to be excited about it and you don't, you don't have to, and like reminding them, like you don't have to eat it. And just letting them have, and then they, it kind of just can help them to ahead of the meal, start to be able to process it. So that's one of the reasons why I like meal planning ahead of time and trying to at points involve the kids in that process of meal planning. Um, And it just helps take off. I think they call it like the decision fatigue (laughs) that happens in parenting. And especially at like when you are either coming home from work or if you've been all day at home with the kids. The last thing you want to be doing like at five o'clock is like fresh from the start, like trying to come up with a meal plan. I mean, I've often experienced if I do that, just like the crickets chirping, like it feels like, like, I mean, even if you have a full fridge and a full freezer, it feels like there's no options. Like you just kind of feel like you can't think like what's like what to do. Um, And that oftentimes you tend towards just going to, you know, maybe the options of um, the things that are going to be easiest for the kiddos or just that, you know, maybe don't aren't as nutrient dense. It's kind of like, you know, shopping when you're hungry. <laughs> like you sometimes you make the like the the word like less <laughs> informed decisions than if you had pre, you know, pre-thought it through. Also, when you meal plan, it allows for you to be able to look at it and try to do, you know, prep something the night before to oh, be like, oh, let's pull this from the freezer or to um, do other things to kind of prep for the meal ahead of time or to kind of look at it. One of my biggest meal prepping suggestion, meal planning suggestions is that when you're meal planning, that if you ha- like to have a family calendar if it's, you know, a personal planner or something that's up on the board and to really think through. And sometimes all it involves is, you know, maybe you have like your different seasons of the year and that you kind of like, you know, like while soccer is happening or while they're in school or while it's summer, you kind of have written out like the days of the week and you kind of are evaluating which days are kind of your hardest days that you are just, you know, maybe it's just the end of the week, you're kind of run down. So you need to shift your easy meals for the end of the week. Or maybe it's that your partner doesn't get home until really late on, you know, Tuesday nights. So just sitting down and just evaluating your schedule and looking at it and kind of thinking through, gosh, Wednesdays have been really rough for me or this or that. And based off of those schedule notes, planning and knowing, okay, Monday, Wednesday, Friday need to be my easy meals. Tuesdays, Thursdays are when I can give a little bit more. Maybe those are the nights you make more things from scratch. You're not pulling from the freezer, but you're actually double batching and making things for the freezer. Um, And that on the other nights, you're looking for like the easy things. Maybe you're not going to, you know, make the teriyaki sauce from scratch. Maybe you look for, you know, one at the grocery store and kind of evaluating and knowing ahead of time so that you don't get to that place where you meal planned and didn't think through all of those aspects of your schedule. And then you find yourself, you know, just, yeah, like burnt out. I also like to have a couple of meals on hand that I call like your life happens meals. Where if you had planned, you know, you thought that you were going to have more energy and time in the day to make, you know, two sheet pans of lasagna and you just don't, that you almost always have on hand, you know, at least two to three different types of meals that come together really quick. Maybe it's 
the bag of frozen broccoli, a box of mac and cheese, um, you know, and like a, fr- you know, like a fruit or like diced, you know, chicken, just something that generally are things that you have on hand in the freezer or are shelf stable. So like um, one of ours is just doing like a, like a one pot, like tuna pasta, because tuna shelf stable. I almost always have cans of tuna on hand. I almost always have a frozen veggie and I almost ha- always have pasta and I can just, you know, put that together really quickly. So I like to have two or three of those, what I call life happens meals that are kind of, you know, something that you can pull if you need to, because I do a lot of ahead of, ahead of going into prepping for a meal. I like to do kind of that, that self check-in, <laughs> like, where am I at? Where's my mental capacity? Where, where, where are the kids at? Um, Like what, like what's our, where, what are we going into dinner time looking like? And from there making adjustments. Um, either based on what you're going to prepare. I try to not do that. I try to hopefully ahead of time, you know, have thought through my schedule that I've, I have a meal that fits my needs. And so that's where a lot of times going into preparing the meal, I do try to ahead of preparing meals, think through things like, okay, my kids just got home from school. They've, you know, been performing quote unquote all day. A lot of times when they get home, you know, all the emotions come out. I almost always try to reserve at least 15 minutes that I give them my full undivided attention. And that we typically do some type of more gross motor activity, like playing a chase, getting outside. I often, if we can, I almost always try to do something outside in the fresh air, you know, having foot races up and down the driveway, just things to move both both of our bodies. You know, a lot of times we've come into that end of the day with maybe more sitting or more focused concentration activities and trying to allow for some more of that like gross motor free play. Um, and I know that I've seen your posts on the things of like how much that can help regulate bodies. So I try to go into mealtime, you know, like with the with the kids, you know, if they need to be set up with a with with snack, you know, at, at those moments doing that, doing some type of giving them a, some att- like that attention and and like kind of prepping them for at this time, you know, mom, I'm going to be prepping dinner. Here are your choices of what you can do while I'm doing that. And sometimes I sometimes I don't want them helping me. Sometimes I do not have the mental capacity to manage them in the kitchen. And sometimes I do. I always try to have them help me in the kitchen, but that's where I do like to do a check-in and think through, like, realistically, do I have the patience to have them in the kitchen with me? And so sometimes I will let them know ahead of it. Like, I will, again, try to say, you know, you here are your, like, you know, in 30 minutes, I'm going to start making dinner. You can... You know, if I want them to help me, I will say you can, you know, help me with prepping the broccoli or this thing, or you can, you know, do an independent activity, you know, activity. Um, And we have a couple of, you know, like the choices that they can choose within that. So I try to set them up and prepare them for, you know, being able to do something while we're like, while I'm, while I'm cooking. Sometimes I will have them, you know, I come up with a lot of, try to come up with a lot of creative ideas where I like, if while I'm cooking dinner, if it still seems like they're needing that attention or needing that thing, I'll do like, um, we'll play like grocery store where I'll have them, you know, come to me and I'll tell them my grocery list. And then they run to their play kitchen and they put things in a bag and they bring it back and I'll look at it, you know, like coming up with ideas of just that engage them, but kind of like where I still get to cook and do things. And I kind of minimally, minimally am stepping in to do something. Um, and so I feel like all those type of things are things that can kind of help during the meal time. But yeah, definitely before the meal, 
I kind of like to gauge physically where I'm at mentally, emotionally, you know, was it a rougher just behavior day? Um, what do I, and do, do I need to take a moment to drink water, to eat a snack? Like, what do I need to do for myself? Like where, you know, yeah. Am I, does my, do I feel like I have low blood sugar? And I think you were a share. Yeah. Yesterday I shared um, this thing that my husband teaches like in his Qigong classes, um, but it was just called shaking. And it's just this really light bouncing that you kind of do that just helps to kind of like relieve that tension that you can be holding in your body and um, just kind of practice kind of taking some of those deep breaths and just doing that check-in and trying to help regulate your own body. Maybe you've been regulating everyone's else, <laughs> helping everyone else regulate their bodies that you've been ignoring yours. But I do try to, before that time of making dinner, um, take that moment to, yeah, like help address where, where am I at? What are my needs? How can I meet those? What can I do in this moment to be able to, you know, get through the, that kind of the craziest time of the day, that f- five o'clock to bedtime. <laughs> Yeah, I like what you shared there because I feel like so many times when we ask for, you know, meal prepping tips or something, it's always like, oh, make double or something, which I know you mentioned, but um, really thinking about like, am I able to have them in here with me? Because that's a lot of recommendation, like get your kids to eat more, have them exposed more. But sometimes maybe you're hindering that because you are like having them in there, but you can't handle it. And then it becomes this battle, which makes your night yes. difficult. So yeah, I love all that you said there and just the early exposure. Cause I think this, you know, I teach the same thing in terms of like, if you know, your child is struggles to go to the doctor or the dentist or something, a lot of times parents want to wait till like right that morning and then say, okay, we're going to the dentist. And then it's just like chaos. Well, it's because this is now a catalyst to have your child let off all these feelings that they've been storing up. And I'm assuming, you know, it can be the same with food. If they're hesitant towards certain foods or something, it's giving them that early opportunity when you have more capacity, if that is a catalyst to have some feelings about it, then you have more of that bandwidth versus like, we're serving it right now and too, (laughs) too bad. Like, and then that's when I feel like more of those, you know, the shameful, even if you're not yelling or something, like sometimes the things that we just naturally want to say, if we're not holding ourselves and checking ourselves, it can then make our process harder. Um, so I'm sure sure there's a lot more you could share about that, but I'm going to encourage people to go to your page because (laughs) you think like, I mean, there's lots of big feeding accounts, but I just, I genuinely think like, I love watching your page. (laughs) I wouldn't say like, I'm good at implementing a lot of those things right now. Um, but I just, I think that you have a, a different way of sharing things. And, um, you know, I think on your page, it says like how to actually do it. And I think that's true. Like a lot of accounts are teaching you about food or, um, like how to make it safe for kids and, um, safe and like what size they should be eating, but really like, how do you actually make this happen as, as an actual mom who's busy? Yes. Um, so before we kind of wrap up, since we are approaching Christmas, and, you know, New Year's, I know we already had Thanksgiving, but as we're kind of heading into some of those holidays, is there any type of tips? Because I know um, it can be challenging, right? Like you, and I don't really care anymore, but I know a lot of times people are concerned about, you know, what others might say about their kids eating. I just have always brought extra food because I you know, I have the opinion that I want my kids to be be comfortable and enjoy the holiday and not be so worried. Like, Yes. I eat this thing. And mm-hmm. I know sometimes people kind of, <laughs> I know in the past, there's probably been people who are like looking at me, like, 
you know, whatever, but I don't really care. I know some people do like worry about that, but is there any, you know, tips? And I think even like, as far as, you know, making more cookies and being, having more sugar and stuff, like, Mm -hmm. is there any tips that you have just generally going to the family gatherings and how you navigate that or how maybe you help navigate like the baking? Cause I know sometimes particularly probably people similar to me who are like, I guess you might call them like crunchy or, you know, you think more about the nutrition value of food, right? And you think not necessarily that sugar is bad, but like, we can't have too much because, or like loosening the reins on like, there's some dye in here or something, you know? So maybe just kind of touching on the gatherings piece and then a little bit, maybe on some of the, the sugary stuff. And if you have any Yes. Or something. Yeah. The holidays are for sure a lot and it's, it's a lot to navigate regardless of food. And, um, yeah, I always like to, yeah. Behavior is always going to be different around the holidays. There's just the energy about it happening in the school or daycare settings. There's yeah. The different foods, different schedules, just different. Everything is kind of going on. And so I think it's like to remind yourself that it's to be expected that there's going to be behavior changes that happen during that time with how they act out and also how they act around food. Um, And I just, I just, my last post I think I did was kind of around, (laughs) around, around it. And I think that a lot of it, and oh my goodness, it's so hard as a nutritionist (laughs) to go into those settings because people have extra layers of what they expect your kids to do as the kids of a nutritionist. So I definitely understand that pressure of like how they're supposed to eat and what foods they're supposed to choose. Um, And so I do, I love the idea of a lot of times before we go into like going to someone else's house, I will oftentimes ahead of time provide a snack at home or I will create like a little to-go snack box and give that to them in the car and 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 just say like, if you're hungry now and want some of this, you know, like you can have it. And if so if they're hungry, then they can eat it because, you know, maybe you might have a kid and you can definitely change what you do based on your kids' behaviors. Some kids are way more food motivated and some are way less food motivated. Some are more play motivated that you know that once they get into that situation, they are not going to be thinking about food. They're just going to be focused on playing with cousins, playing with friends, or just doing that. There's other kids, like my my kids are much more food motivated that the instant we walk in the door, like my kids are ready for the, like want to be eating the food. Um, you know, it's just, there's going to be differences. So based on your kiddos, you can adjust how you, how you do that. Um, but I will oftentimes provide a snack ahead of time so that, you know, if they do, if you're walking into it, not knowing what food is going to be there, a lot of times it's more buffet style and there's a lots of options. And so it can be helpful that way that there's lots of options available. Um, you can definitely ahead of time, you know, um, again, that uh, the other account that growing intuitive eaters suggests the idea of like, you know, just messaging ahead of time, like, hey, just curious, you know, what's on the menu and like so, so that you can know what to bring so that if they present the menu to you and you think like through like all of those foods are going to be rough for my kiddo you can bring a a dish that you know that your kiddo is going to enjoy or is going to like, um, or ahead of times, like sometimes, you know, like with, um, like with grand, like with grandparents, when we go to my, my husband's side of the family, definitely so much more sugar, uh, sugary things. And like what we're, what we're used to that sometimes I'll try to throw in there some suggestion, you know, like also some suggestions of things of activities that we might be able to do, um, or, you know, kind of just suggest something like, like, 
hey, if there's any chance that, you know, like I know that we always love going and getting that ice cream. If we can do dinner before the ice cream would maybe be really helpful for my family. So kind of just think, yeah, like, no, you know, like if there's the certain things that kind of cause you a lot of that, like pre-mental stress around something, sometimes just trying to come up with like, you know, a compromise, you know, of giving them those experiences that they want to give to the kiddos. But you also kind of saying, you know, like, hey, this sometimes happens and, you know, this is something that would help us out. And generally, I feel like people are, you know, happy to accommodate that. If you have a kiddo or a situation where a parent is really kind of gives you pressure of, you know, or kind of like the judgmental kind of kind of side comments of, you know, how your kid eats or or get or says a lot of things to your kiddo of like, you can't, you know, like you can't be, you know, grabbing the cookie now you need to do this, or kind of doing that again, sometimes ahead of time, having that conversation with them, or kind of just pausing them, you know, if they kind of give that message, just kind of saying like, hey, I know you intend well, um, you know, that we've, we've totally our hand, we're totally handi- handling, um, you know, like Ruby, like Ruby's meals, to, you know, tonight, we've got it, we've got it undercover, um, and kind of just, you know, stepping in for them. I think I just in my post, I kind of mentioned the idea of like, are you in charge? Like, are you more in charge of your kids emotional well being or like your Aunt Marge's emotional well being? Like, Aunt Marge can handle herself. <laughs> like she's a full, full grown person. <laughs> like you, you get to be kind of that gatekeeper to like your child's emotional well-being and kind of helping to manage that. And sometimes it does unfortunately mean f- having to feel a little bit more stern. I think that there's certain ways that you can go about it, like addressing if you have like those um, you know, just more difficulties with family members saying things or just doing things differently than your family, which is unfortunate. But I always kind of come back to, I shouldn't be putting (laughs) Aunt Marge's emotional well-being above my kid. So like, you know, coming back to making sure that again, yeah, like that you're creating the space that you want to for them for the holiday um, and helping them in that way. Um, But yeah, the holiday with the sugar and stuff, I, I definitely always suggest, you know, and then a lot of times with like that snack box, I'll have it in the car. And then also that on our way home from that event, will like they have that again available to them and it has a variety of different foods so that if they didn't eat much there um and they're really hungry that they can be you know eating from that on the way home and that that can you know help with the sugar that might be happening um you know during that time it's actually really really interesting a lot of nutritionists that do pediatrics to nutrition will tell you that there's there's no scientific evidence to suggest that more sugar changes behavior. Um, And I find that fascinating because I feel like that just like what you generally see (laughs) is I think that and I, I, I do think that there is a lot to different body types, different people are more prone to experiencing the the swings and like their blood sugar and in their emotions to their blood sugar. But it is really interesting that there actually is no no scientific evidence that sugar like causes more crazy behavior than not a lot of times they'll say that like it just they don't in a scientific setting like you you don't you can't say that that happens that you see it and I always find that fascinating but I and I because I feel like that like what I see with my kids you know tells me otherwise but they do say that there is a lot of other things that can be at play that lend to that behavior besides the sugar a lot of times it's you know that they're staying up later than normal um so I generally hard to isolate you know yeah yes so they can't say it but yeah but I generally do try to 
help cushion on either side of like those sugar events, <laughs> having a good snack leading into it and particularly making sure that d- before and after they're getting foods that contain proteins and healthy fats. So proteins and healthy fats are kind of the key to that blood sugar management and into helping to not get like that sugar crash of like where you just got all of this quick acting fuel that just kind of spikes and goes up and then drops fats help to level fats and proteins help to level that out. So that's where ahead of time driving to the event, I wouldn't just be providing goldfish because goldfish are also, they're not, you know, they're going to be a slower release of sugar than just, you know, a straight sugar cookie, but they still are that carbohydrate based food. I would make sure that there's something like cheese sticks, you know, cheese sticks that have the healthy fats and protein, a cup of yogurt, um, just a balance of those different protein and healthy fats. Um, in in something because those are the things that help with that feeling of satiety and with that blood sugar management. So as much as possible in the holidays, I try to make sure that the snacks that are happening around those sweets and around the meals are like really filling snacks that have proteins and healthy fats. So do you ever tell your child, like if they want more and more cookies, like is there, do you just kind of let them because they're, you know, it's, it's presented to them and you know, you're letting them control it. And if they don't feel well afterwards, then they're kind of learning. I ate too much and I don't like how I feel. Or are you kind of like, you've had five cookies, like, you know, let's reel it in a little bit. I mean, how do you kind of. Yeah, I, it will kind of, sometimes I will this again uh, comes back to like, when I think about like with like trick or treating and stuff that oftentimes I will on the first night do the, you, I, you know, like they get to eat to where they want to stop. And then I will set the rule for the following days of that after that night, you know, like we'll do, you get to pick, you know, so many pieces of candy, you know, before dinner time or wherever you choose. That's where I'll try to like, think about where, you know, like with the Halloween candy, not doing it right before bed, (laughs) but, but, but like before dinner, like before dinner, choose it, like you get to choose your pieces, but I do try to provide both those opportunities. I try to provide opportunities where they do get to be in charge of deciding just how much they do get to eat. But then I will oftentimes, um, you know, like, and oftentimes I'll make it not be also about, I'll make it be about, we need to like, you know, we need to make sure that there's, these cookies are for everyone here. I can't let you just eat five cookies because then, you know, that's not fair to everyone else. And kind of more of like that, just kind of like, just manners in a social eating situation of like, if I were to let you eat five, then that means, you know, like that there might not be enough for other people. So I might look at it and, you know, like look at the group and maybe we'll say something like, it looks like it might be uh, like, would be appropriate for you to have two to make sure that um, everyone else has the chance to get enough of the cookies. When like we do Christmas making of cookies like ourselves, that's that's one of those days or those situations where I let them free reign, eat how much they would let until they, you know, like decide to stop because those are really good teaching moments for them. And they it's really good for them to experience kind of going like going past because in those moments they might, you know, like have think to themselves like, gosh, I didn't feel good and I ate more of that. And I really don't feel good. 
And that can be so key to helping them go into the next situation when there's cookies and the things around that they will start to develop that, like, again, coming back to listening to their body and being able to, and and like, and again, that I'll use that with my kiddo of like, where if that night she's like, my tummy doesn't feel good. And just again, being really compassionate, not the like, well, yeah, you ate, you ate, you ate, you know, five cookies, like not having that tone into it. But just kind of even being cur- like being curious with them of like, oh, your tummy hurts. Like, why, like, why do you, what do you, why do you think that might be? And seeing if they connect the dots, if they kind of say like, oh, I ate too many cookies. And then you can just gently say like, yeah, sometimes that does happen when we eat too many cookies. Our tummy can get upset. And just even kind of leaving it at that. And kind of seeing if next time when they come around to that situation, sometimes I will, my kiddo that will sometimes do that has had that happen with um, situations where her tummy hurts afterwards. So sometimes ahead of time, if we're at a place and some, I'll, I'll sometimes just even do a check in, like where if she comes up to me and is like, you know, at a birthday party and is like, can I have another donut? Um, you know, I will always say, let's look to see about like the making sure that it's fair for all the kids here. There might not be enough donuts. You know, I, I want to make sure, like I always tell her that like, that's what I'm doing first. Sometimes that's also just my stalling technique for me to come up in my head. Like, what am I, like, what am I going to do? But I will kind of assess it out. And then from there also kind of, you know, say, I'll just maybe check in with her and just say, is your belly feeling okay? And your belly feels like it's, it will be okay to have another donut and let her and then she'll kind of be and then like kind of give her that moment to be like yeah no it does yeah and then I'll say okay yep you're more than welcome to you know to get a second donut and then there and then sometimes she'll grab that donut and that second donut and where this is where I've seen then she just takes two bites of it because it's like she just wanted like you sometimes just think you want the second one but you get one bite into it and you go actually you know what I I am already I'm at my limit and I've seen that happen with my kiddo as as that she'll do that she'll take two bites of that next donut or whatever it is and then it's not tu- you know the rest of it isn't touched and that's kind of what you want <laughs> is where yeah. they they got to they got to experience that I think I want this and like you're listening to your body but then like you do the bite and then it's kind of like okay sometimes though they will eat two donuts and sometimes they've uh, they won't get a tummy ache and they feel fine but they also won't start to put sweets on a pedestal of yeah. constantly the minute that they're in a room and with it that like they kind of like obsessively can't stop thinking about it. So there is definitely kind of striking that balance between the two. So that's that's personally how I kind of handle it is do a mix of creating some situations where they get to just free reign, eat however much they want. And in other situations, I'll put a limit um, based on, you know, the, you know, just say like, let's, let's just stick with, yeah, we're just going to stick with two, with two cookie max for tonight. Yeah. I like the thought of like their awareness of other people. Cause that's something that I haven't really heard or thought of before. Um, Because then you're also like, you still, if you feel like you're feeling like nervous about them having (laughs) just like free range at, at, you know, a parent's house or something, or like a grandparent's house, having them think outside of like, no, you can't have another cookie because that's too much sugar. But like, actually, no, because there's 20 people here. And if everybody had five cookies, there wouldn't be, you know, so I feel like it also kind of gives you that buffer of like, okay, I feel a little bit more comfortable with how much you're consuming. Cause I, you know, we want to have the control too, just like they do. Yes. Um, and I think, like you said, getting curious, asking questions. Cause I think that's a big thing that I want to promote too, is like, 
you know, when your kids are fighting with each other, often we want to run in and be like, why did you hit him? But it's like, we're only seeing part of it. So asking like, not in a shameful way, but like, what happened here? You know, and I think checking, having them check in with their own body. So they start to realize like, oh, I don't just want to shove all this in my face. Like, do I really want this? Or is it just because I want to have the control to be able to have it before you give them the permission to do it? And then they do it, but they've already had that time to like, kind of think it through how am I feeling? So they're going into this second donut or fifth cookie or whatever, with that thought of how am I feeling? How does this make me feel versus being like, "Mm, that's a lot of sugar, you know? Um, One more thing I just wanted to highlight before we kind of wrap up, you know, in, in talking about kind of advocating for your kid in, in places. And if people want to say comments or something, and I think, again, it's just also very parallel to, thinking about your kid's behavior. And I know a lot of times people get embarrassed when their kids have behaviors in public spaces and stuff too. And I always bring it back to like, like you said, what's more important, you know, your child's heart and how you're impacting them and reacting to them or this other person, you know, whether they're your relative or you don't even know who they are and you'll never see them again, you know, like kind of bringing your perspective back to like, what is most important to me in this moment? And it's, is it my child's relationship to food or is it what somebody else thinks of what they're eating, you know? And by tomorrow, they're not going to remember that your child didn't eat the thing, you know, like they, they're not going to carry on carrying, caring about it, but your child will, you know? Um, so just to wrap up, I didn't say this beforehand, but I thought of it because somebody had done this for me on a podcast and, um, because, you know, we talked a lot about a lot of different things. If there is, you know, it's going to be hard, but if there's kind of like one, if, if a mom listening to this takes one thing away from our conversation, is there anything specific, you know, whether that's like the mental emotional piece or mindset around it or, or an actual tip to make things easier? Like, is there anything that you feel like if this is all this person takes from this episode, hopefully not, but like, what would that be? I think the biggest thing would be just that you're pri- like rather than shift like shifting away from thinking that a successful meal is where my kid you know eats a balance of all of the foods that are there that you shifted away to a like creating a safe like just a safe eating environment that if you kind of prioritize that that's what you like that's your ultimate goal and that that's how you measure success. I feel like that you you just you don't feel like if at the end of the meal, if you're always thinking about whether or not they ate the veggie or not, and like you're going to be disappointed if they didn't eat the veggie, you're just going to be you're just going to feel like you're not succeeding <laughs> um, because that's it's just going to be a hard thing to meet. But I think about, again, just like coming back to just like centering yourself on thinking about those early days of feeding and the type of environment that we are born into when we are being fed and providing that and giving that, I think that that is where a child will become emotionally nourished and physically nourished. And that's like my big thing that I kind of promote and talk about is that idea of those dual nourishments happening at a mealtime. And that oftentimes we get stuck on like kind of the micro (laughs) bits of like, well, there wasn't it like, okay, but they didn't eat the fat that they didn't eat the this or, oh, they only took one bite and they spit it out. If like, those are the things that we measure success by, it's going to be really hard to feel like you're being successful in feeding. 
creating. Um, and so I think kind of zooming back out and just thinking, coming back to creating that safe, loving, connecting environment around food and that being your goal, you'll find it just the pressure on yourself releases and that your kid is going to thrive in that, um, in that more. And of course, there's a lot. Yeah, please, you know, come <laughs> follow me, look into Ellen Satter, look into, you know, all these different types of resources that you can for how to kind of create that environment and make sure that like your child is, is getting, you know, like all of the things that they need to grow, to grow healthy. But yeah, that would be my biggest thing is just kind of coming back to providing that safe, loving environment in the, in the feeding environment. Well, and as you were saying that, I think too, if, if anybody is feeling, which I'm sure a lot of people do, but like feeling the stress around, you know, say you've been in this pattern of like, we have to try this or take three, I know a lot of, a lot of people are like, take three bites or something. Yeah. Um, If you've kind of been stuck in that rhythm and you want to transition, I think also thinking about, you know, how you set a successful meal. Well, why do you think, what is the patterning and conditioning that has happened in your life that has led you to believe like this is how it should be because chances are it's not probably really your thoughts it's either how you were parented or how you had to eat or yes. outside influences you know yeah. kind of culture. <laughs> yeah being worried about what other people are going to say you know if you're at a holiday or something and really thinking about like why is this situation triggering for me or why do i feel like my kid has to eat this you know is it really for their benefit? Or is it because of other things that are coming up for you? And maybe, maybe you need to just journal a little bit about that or think more about that. Yeah, for sure. Move through it. Um, Okay. So if you can just let everybody know where they can find you and get more information, I know you just created like a snack document for people. (laughs) So why don't you share about that before we close? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at yes peas, and that's not it's the play on words, the P E A S peas, yes peas nutrition. And um, I also you can find you can go to my website is yes peas nutrition if you just it's yes peas nutrition dot com, um, and I have my website there. I'm also <laughs> I'm on Pinterest. I have a Facebook community group. From my Pinterest profile, you can access, find, get it log, um, joining my Facebook group, um, and seeing some of the other things. But then I also, yes, I just recently launched my Yes Peas snack plates, um, that is a document full of a lot of great suggestions for snacks. But, um, like what I say is that it's a lot of a kind of how to do successful snacking with your kids, how to not just make snacks be kind of like these nutrient, like just kind of lower nutrient, like passing time, just, you know, something like another, <laughs> but making them be nutrient dense opportunities for more food exposure to be happening. I talk you through that. I give a ton of different ideas and suggestions um, for how to prepare those and how to help the, use snacks as a way to help picky eaters to get, um, you know, to get introduced to some different types of foods in a really fun, engaging way. Lots of them are what I call snack activities. So it's like where they get to be hands-on doing an activity with the food, which can be really great for picky eaters. Um, and then there's also a, a whole bunch of like QR codes in there that lead you to little videos where I give nutrition tidbits or, you know, um, if you're, you know, like for there's like a roasted veggies dipped in like a cheese sauce. And I give like a whole, you know, like if this is a, would be a hard food or snack for your kid because they are a picky eater, here are some tips and suggestions of like, how, how would you go about preparing this as a snack and doing that like with a picky eater? So it's just a really good how to um, guide. And then I also do have an online, a full 
program that really is a crash course of all the foundational things that you need to be able to prepare healthy meals from home for your family with less stress. And it goes through organizing and getting your kitchen set up in a way for it to feel like a creative, fun space for you to be in. Some people just get stressed out the minute they get into their kitchen. And so I help you create your kitchen to be a space that you feel good in. And it goes through teaching you how to menu plan. I give you, I have a full, uh, like laminated menu plan um, that you, I like a method for going through it. Um, and you learn new, like just even simple things like label reading and then just how there's action plans. You get, you know, lessons that you listen to on your own. And then there's group coaching available and one-on-ones with me throughout that program. So I have those two things right now that I have to offer is my group program. Um, that's called the Yes Peas Stress-Free Meal Planning Method. And then I have that snack books. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So, um, head over, check out all our stuff. It's, it's really unique, like in a, in the best way, I think. Um, well, that's, I'm, I, that means a lot to hear that. I appreciate it. <laughs> I truly think that like, I'm not just saying that. So everybody <laughs> listening, <laughs> go check out our stuff. I do think it it is just more realistic, you know, like you're a mom of two little kids and yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's fun to watch. So, and just like see your ideas. Cause I think a lot of, even the things that you said, you know, in the episode are just unique to what you would normally see or hear or expect somebody, you know, with your qualifications to say. So I'll link all of that stuff in the show notes so that people have quick access to it. And thank you so much for all of your time. Yeah. I always enjoy talking with you. I always enjoy watching your things. And I, yeah, I think there's such an intersection of like our dual fields and the things that you're saying interplaying into the things that I'm suggesting for sure. So yes, I also equally uh, gain from your page and just seeing the things that you're talking about, because that helps me with my kiddos to have more successful meal times. <laughs> Online is a cool, weird, strange world, isn't it? It is very much so. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Real quick before you go, if you felt encouraged and inspired by listening to this show, I'd love for you to leave a rating or review over at Apple Podcasts so we can spread the word to help other mamas feel less alone and find beauty in the behaviors. You can also take a screenshot of this episode, share it over on your Instagram stories and take me at Kaylee Josire and we'll all do a little happy dance together. I love nothing more than to cheer you on along this journey. This work is so hard, but don't forget God has not only called you to it, but he has equipped you for it. Now go get connected. I'll see you next week.